Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, 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 all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hi guys, in this episode, I'll be chatting with Alison Rummel, a kick-ass friend of mine and crystal and gemstone connoisseur. Originally, we were going to name this episode The Weirdest Experience During Meditation, but we ended up zigzagging all over the place. Um, We still do discuss our most profound meditation experiences, but we spend a lot of time also covering the subject of accessing meditation, fears and different kinds of meditations too. So just wanted to give you that heads up. All right, enjoy. Do, 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 do. We should probably talk. We should. <laughs> let, let us sit here in silence for the entire podcast. <laughs> Oh, were we going to speak of meditation? It's a do-your-own kind of thing. That's right. We'll provide the quiet. This is an experiment. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) Today's guest is an old friend of mine and a gemstone wizard, Alison Rummel. Hello, Alison. Hello, darling. Hello. Hi. Old friend, do you like being called a gemstone wizard? (laughs) Wow, a wizard. You know, um, yeah, I'm enjoying that. I think that's fun. I think leaning into the description of wizard is smart. The way to go. I'm not going to fight it. (laughs) Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Um, uh, Yeah, I, you know, I love gems. I'm fascinated with the woo, as we, we tend to call it here. And I'm definitely one of those people, and I think you are too, where we like that we have more questions than answers. So... Lean into that, too, while you're at it, right? Totally. Allison and I have been, um, we've been investigating the woo together sort of on and off for, like, what, 10 years? Yeah, at least. Or, or more. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, we, we were always talking about that shit, which I love because you were always very open to it. Yeah, me too. Cherish. Cherish, girl. We have a tendency to cut the crap. How was the chit chat? That was great. Okay, let's go there immediately. It's like, hi, how are you? Have you heard about the ghost in my hallway? Let's talk about it for an hour. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate that. Those are the people like you are my favorite friends because we can just go right into that. And there's no judgment and there's no like, oh, wait, we didn't do those like nice small talk things in the beginning. We just sort of went right in we do not have time for that nobody has time for that (laughs) (laughs) thank you for being an early bird on this project because oh yeah yeah it means so much to me this is episode one the first of so many i hope so many yeah Yeah. it's great i'm happy to be in i'm happy to guinea pig i'm just in here along for the ride sounds great yeah i've uh been finding gems for people for 14 years of gem sourcing that's how we get that's how we got to the wizard 
that's what that's it was. Right. We were saying mm-hmm. sourcing is source sorcering. It's a sorcerer. I'm a wizard. Yep. So yeah, um, finding gemstones, making every effort to find gemstones sourced from people in places that use ethical practices when possible. And uh, that's definitely a challenge. But, you know, intuitive sourcing, there's, you know, sometimes you walk past things and you go, oh, that's for someone and you pick it up. And sure enough, someone's asking for it, you know, within an hour. Uh, So looking for what people need and helping them find it. You're sort of like, this is the energy that you're putting off. I have an intuition that this gemstone might need to be yours for mm-hmm. further healing you know, purposes. I think, I think that's tricky because it's in a, you know, my, my previous work was in a retail situation. So you have a person coming into a shop and asking for things. But if you go, oh, here, there it is. Like there, I'm not here to prescribe you something. I'm I'm here to help you find what you need. So I've had many instances where people will come in the shop and as soon as they come in and I talk to them, I, I just get a pull towards a stone or an area and that thing is ready to go. It's like it's been waiting for you to walk through the door, come find me. And I'm for myself, I make a specific point of never pointing to it unless somebody asks for some kind of uh, guidance towards something. And then, uh, yeah, I'd say majority of the time they just find it themselves anyway so they'll come and you know bring it up to the counter I'm just like you found it that's great (laughs) yeah it's simple that's the simple version is when they find it themselves I love that you what you said about not prescribing to them so it's it's really following intuition it's not it's not like this is what you need because a lot of woo-woo people do that and it's really uncomfortable it is they're like, this is what you have to have oh, if you don't. We've all been in that, that situation, right? Like, I didn't, I didn't come with questions to have you fix it. You exactly. know, I, I'm not a, 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 a doctor, but I came with questions to be guided to answer my own questions. And what meaningful spiritual experience have we ever had that isn't truly from within ourselves? That, you know, any healer, any light worker, any person you work with like that, the ones that are impactful, the ones that are meaningful are always people who remove themselves from the situation and are like a conduit, an intermediary and just let things come through them. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's actually in my early years of woo, I would have fallen prey to that. And I think a lot of people do. So listeners out there, just remember whatever woo path you're going down If the person is saying that they're the one healing you, that's always a red flag. It's ego, right? Keep the ego out of it. Absolutely. You're healing yourself. And those crystals and that you as as a crystal wizard are intuiting something that they're already vibrating. I think part of going down this path is not being cynical. It's being open. And being, uh, it's surrendering to something that you can't explain. And, uh, and unfortunately, a lot of people take advantage of that trust that you have to have. And they, you know, they're frauds. I mean, what comes to mind is like Yogi Bhajan, Bikram, um, Osho. In the past, these gurus who were supposedly non-egoic, our com- information has come to the surface that shows that they were rapists and they were... <laughs> they were just really horrible guys. And I think that's 
Oh, that's a whole, we could do a whole episode on that. Oh, I, I, I want to. Less for people, sure. don't pee people on a pedestal. People are people, you know? Mm, like, for sure. Done. I have fun. <laughs> yeah, the end. That's the episode. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye now. Yeah, that's, that's a valuable <laughs> lesson too. So you come by the woo, honestly. I think your mom is also pretty woo-woo as well. Oh, yeah, full full woo in, in the mom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> full woo in the mom. What does your mom do in the woo realm? She um, does channeling and what she calls angelic healing sessions. So again, she's in that practice of, you know, it's not me doing this. This is information that you are already asking for and you just need some help um, getting in touch with tapping into that. And she uses a group of beings spirits angels whatever you want to call them i think they call themselves angels so let's let's maybe respect that and they kind of work together they call themselves the assembly and um various voices and various parts of that come forward for her at different times i think it would be really fun for us to do another episode i already have like three coming to mind but about having moms that were or parents that were woo woo Oh, yeah. Because your mom was like right in the new age movement. Like she's an early woo. Yeah. You know, I haven't really thought about that uh, too much, but it is funny. I think you and I probably grew up surrounded by self-help books. And and that shelf at the bookstore was small. It was. And now it's so big. It's gotten much better as the years have gone on. Like now you can go farther into esoterica than you used to be able to. It was just like Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra. That's right. Wayne Dyer. That's a good name. There you go. I would love to have your mom on the show. She someday. would love to, think she to would. She loves you. Yeah. So yeah. that you heard it here, listeners. Linda O'Connell will be joining us, hopefully with the assembly in a future episode. That would be awesome. Like, I think some of my earliest experiences in truly feeling like I was connecting with myself was probably dreaming. And it's probably working with lucid dreaming. You love Richard Linkletter. The Waking Life. Oh, The Waking Life. Such Let a me know when. I'm going to rewatch it. It's been a few years, but I love him. And yeah, that movie's really great. And actually watching that movie helped me in my lucid dreaming, give me tools to use in my own dreams. Me too. Me too. Right? <gasps> yeah. Game on. We're going to talk about it. Write it down. It has <laughs> been written. It will happen. I love it. We're suddenly like, ye old. It's great. none shall pass well i think what we've established is you and i are definitely primed to have many more (laughs) episodes at least at the very least we need to do a gem episode and a lucid dreaming episode but let's now focus specifically on this topic yeah let's do that can we do it our our conversations are long and rambling and it just flits over here to this shiny object and then over there that one and it's wonderful but yeah we can we can do it we can can try we are very we it's like feminine storytelling we're just like how about this now that is exactly right (laughs) this is not point a b and c this is exploratory okay so there is some interesting meditation research about how it affects the brain and how kick-ass things can go on in your neural pathways in your brain with deep meditation over a long period of time. Everything else that I found is really anecdotal. It's just people saying, 
holy shit, I saw, you know, swirling purple light. There's everything from that to body paralysis, which is the precursor to an out-of-body experience or astral projection, extreme joy, paranormal experiences, temperature changes, uh, like radical temperature changes, which again is often put in the paranormal category. Out of those examples that I just gave, I'm sure, have you had a number of those experiences? I know we're focusing on just one, but... Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one thing I think I was hoping that we would talk about is accessibility to meditation and how it can be very intimidating at the beginning and how you just want to be good at it. You know, it's like knitting a sweater. You you don't want to make the scarf first. You want to make a sweater. You just want to <laughs> do the cool thing. Uh, I love that that's your example. That's my example. I would love to knit a sweater. It's freaking amazing. I don't want a scarf. I think it, like knowing that it takes a while, it just, you just, it's leaning in, it's doing it. But yeah, I think I've, you know, I've a lot of those things, seeing lights, colors. And I think early parts of practice, there was a lot of just seeing colors and being very curious and then looking up colors and corresponding them with different chakras and finding you know, gratifying information in that and really enjoying that experience. Symbols and uh, synesthesia, like seeing colors or hearing sounds or smelling things. You know, I've had an experience smelling like what I later found out was my great grandmother, whom I never even met, like her hand lotion. Yeah, I know that in paranormal experiences, the top two are, as far as senses, is um, temperature change. So usually yeah. extreme cold or hot and Always uh, cold smell. Yeah, cold for me too. Always cold. <laughs> I think it's generally cold in, in the paranormal world. When a spirit is in, in the vicinity, it's usually the temperature drops. Also, the smell is a big thing. And it's so funny that you brought this up because we have been having visits from our grandmothers, Ash and I. Yeah. And she also had a smell thing, which was with her perfume. So that's so interesting. Note to self, get a signature scent going. Like (laughs) totally keep it on and then later be able to connect with your peeps. Right. That's right. Later haunt your grandchildren. (laughs) (laughs) I love that my grandmother is haunting me. They're both yeah, very kick-ass. So, definitely. so synesthesia is really interesting. I mm-hmm. stopped on that topic for a hot second. Yeah, there's a lot to synesthesia. I mean, you can look up synesthesia and there's so many things uh, to it that, it, you know, it correlates to in the larger realm of life. There's many forms. But when I think of specifically meditation, yeah, I think about like sense and sounds. I mean, it can, there's people who have synesthetic uh, responses with numbers like mm-hmm. they, they see a number written and they hear a sound and they have synesthetic uh correlation was it chromesthesia i think is where they have they'll hear music and they'll see colors this this song sounds gold this song sounds blue you know mm-hmm. uh we both know catherine an old friend she Love her. Ha- she has that and um she had it with seasons and with numbers and mm-hmm. um i think to her i was always winter which i loved i think it's a connection of like your neurological to your spiritual for me i think it's confirmation within your body that something's happening when these things happen i can't help but just take everything as confirmation right like if it lines up why would i doubt it why and generally, meditation is just sitting quietly. How would you define meditation? I think there's so many forms of meditation. And I 
I try not to define it too much because what's meditation to one person is not a meditation to another person. So I'm open to lots of things being a meditation. When I think of my personal practice, I think of sitting with purpose and sitting in quiet and quieting my mind and allowing. That's for me. Some people are like, you know, walking meditation is really great for them. It engages this part of the brain that they need to make be doing something while they while they connect with this other part of their brain. My brain just doesn't seem to work that. Way. Side note, I find I find a lot of interest in unusual meditation practice. Some people they light a candle and they just kind of zone out and they don't really think about anything while they wash the dishes. Or maybe that's enough of a meditation for them where they can clear out their mind that they can allow some space for their mind to turn off so that they can be in touch with some other things. So it doesn't work like that for me. I wish. I wish nope. I could just wash some dishes and be no like, way. boom, doesn't, doesn't work for me, but I'm not going to, not going to discount that. That's what, that's what they feel is their meditation. It can be very overwhelming for the beginning meditator because there's so many apps now and there's yeah. so many different ways to meditate. Like you said, I mean, the basic ones are, or the really popular ones are transcendental meditation or a mantra meditation in, in that mm-hmm. realm. And then there's insight meditation, which is more the Buddhist path. But we can agree on that the central theme is quieting. There are countless research studies now that show that this is legit. I mean, it's not, it used to be this thing where it's like, oh, I don't know if meditation is really like helping anyone. And now Harvard, Stanford, you know, all of the huge universities are doing really intense research on it. So the research is in. (laughs) It is here. You cannot deny it. I think all woo things tend to be... um, intimidating to certain religious groups. Sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, this is where it's tough. I think I never want to offend any religious person and their beliefs are totally valid and totally important. But I think quite frequently a religious experience has kept them from finding that connection from within rather than from without having been told things again, getting the ego again, right? Like, when when somebody's telling you something, it's very different from when you experience it yourself, that genuine connection. There's no doubt in your mind when you connect yourself and you're receiving information, you're, it's yours. This is not somebody else's interpretation of information for you. It's yours. It belongs to you. What's more powerful than that? And not to say that can't happen through religious practices. Um, certainly people speaking directly with their God, with their higher than, with whatever it is that they wish to call that. That's a absolutely valid and powerful experience. I think if you're a person who has found that through religion, that's impressive to me. That one-on-one connection with your higher self, with your intuition and your divine knowledge, that's beautiful. I think it's important to just mention here, in meditation courses that I've been in, there are multiple people who are staunchly religious that also meditate. Absolutely. I think it just needs to be said that they're it's not they're not mutually exclusive. You can no. meditate as a you know as a Christian, as a Buddhist, as a Muslim. It doesn't matter. Can I just mention yes. last thing on that where you were talking about experience and meditation. So definitely like feeling energy. I think things that can be a little scary, a little overwhelming. I did a lot of shaking in my early practices and that was really unsettling. I was like mm, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with this. <laughs> like, what is shaking about? Like, you know, I, I talked to other people. I talked to people who understood, people who had had the same experience, and everybody was very reassuring, you know, that it can just take a little while for your energy to align. It can take a little while for 
just neurologically your body to settle. Mm-hmm. Um, your body can be even a little defensive to it. And uh, being a gemstone gal, I found that jade and fluorite were really helpful for that. I just held them in my hands while I meditated and it helped kind of seat me a little more, a little deeper. Yeah, that's really an important note because it's also a trauma response sometimes. There's a lot of research on when the body shakes like that, when it's in a resting position, it's releasing that energy from an old trauma. Totes. Totes, girl. I so want to be encouraging of people. I want you to know I don't meditate every day. I've got a four-year-old. I, I just don't. It's just like <laughs> impossible. Are you kidding me? I get in bed. I like fall asleep. I have no time to myself. Like finding that time and carving that out is hard. I take my time when I can. I, you know, close my eyes in the shower. I might stay in an extra five minutes and just take like 15 deep breaths and just take a freaking moment and allow some space. A shower, you know, is a, a beautiful space to it's quiet, it's relaxing. I'm not even sitting, I'm just standing, but I'm being aware and opening up and like allowing that. I, I want to empathize when people have a hard time finding that time. But also, you know, I might go on a grocery run during quarantine and I might have 10 minutes to sit by myself in my car with my eyes closed before they can get my order out. I am taking it. I'm going to sit there, I'm going to open up, and I'm not going to care if somebody sees me you know, with my eyes closed, sitting in my car by myself. I think a lot of people, they're like, how am I supposed to do meditation? I can't turn my mind off. And that's the same thing with yoga. A lot of people say, how am I supposed to do yoga? I'm not flexible. And it's like, well, when you do yoga, you become more flexible. It's the practice of becoming more flexible. And it's the same thing with meditation. Everybody sucks in the beginning. I still suck at it. I just meditated yesterday and I don't actually know if we can call it real meditation because I was just could not get my mind to shut the fuck up. It was just like. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to state I'm not a guru sitting on top of a mountain with my legs crossed for four hours every day. It's just no. No, that's not in the cards for me this lifetime, although I have deeply considered it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the word practice is really accessible when you're uh, having a conversation with general public people who aren't leaning into the woo, as it were. You can use the term practice and everybody knows what you mean. I try to practice not shaming people. It's a practice. (laughs) Do I shame people? Sure. Do I wish I hadn't? Of course. It's a thing that you try to make a part of your daily life, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, and even the people who are really, really practiced still have meditations where they cannot rein in their thoughts of that day. It's normal. Is it time for you Mm -hmm. (laughs) to tell us the weirdest experience you have had during meditation? Sure. I'm going to preface Yes, for one second by saying, speaking of any very personal practices is an exercise in vulnerability and something that's very personal. I'm just, I'm not like a a big social media person. I I definitely have moments where I have to stop and pause. What am I sharing with who? You know, here I am saying this. Hello, internet. I just want to acknowledge that sharing a very personal experience, a very personal practice is an exercise in vulnerability. Brene Brown would be so proud of you. Hey, Brene. Hey, Nene. Oh, Brene Brown. We love some Brene. So yeah, she would. She would be proud of me. I'm, you know, when I thought about what what's an odd experience in meditation, I found myself going back to this one experience. It was odd because it was so um, clear 
And it was so definitive and it was so unquestionable and unshaking in its clarity. There's no way you can <laughs> doubt when you have an experience like this, that this is very real and uh, very concrete to you. I was working with a Native American shaman who was teaching a spirit guide meditation. And it was like a weekend course. And we did work in like medicine wheel. We do meditations in medicine wheel. And I would have little things come through, small bits of information, um, imagery, iconography, that type of thing. And I was very pleased, like, this is great. I'm you know, I'm, I'm getting some symbols and some, some stuff, but uh, we did a seated meditation that was guided with breath work specifically to connect with our spirit, guide. maybe 10, 15 minutes, just doing breath work, connecting, and then specifically opening up and saying, I'm, I'm ready to connect with my spirit and kind of using this almost in a mantra way, kind of over and over again inside, not out, out, not saying it out loud. And I was in a room with probably like 20 people and I'm in this meditation. It feels really nice. It's very comforting. I'll also mention for sake of this conversation that I had really terrible allergies and snot was just running down my face. <laughs> when you talk about distractions and meditations and how, you know, the sound of, of a dog barking or something distracts you and you can't meditate because, you know, there's distraction or thoughts or whatever, you acknowledge it. Yes, there's snot dripping down my face. No, I'm not going to stop and wipe it off. Like I'm in this. I'm just, I'm doing it, you know. <laughs> She, she guided us to start asking questions uh, and leaving a space in our uh, thoughts to hear something. So my breath was in and I am, you know, open to connecting with my spirit guide. My breath was out and it was, I am open to hearing, forget the exact words, whatever it is that they want me to know, right? And then taking another breath in and another breath out in silence and just seeing what develops in that space. That was a game changer. Like having somebody tell me, you can ask basically whatever you need, whatever you want. Ask in, out, listen, in, out. Ask again, in, out, listen, in, out. After repeating that many times, I just heard, I'm here, I'm with you. I didn't know what, like what? what to do with that. So I just kept saying the same thing, my same mantra over and over again. And I just heard, I'm here, I'm with you. I'm always with you. And I was like, what? Uh, spooky. spooky. Yeah. Yeah. And, but also not scary mm -hmm. at all. I had no like, oh yeah, should I just get up and leave? This is like, there was nothing. It was all just like warm and fuzzy, warm, fuzzy, heart love. It was kind of my own voice. And I sat there kind of thinking about it with the tiny part of my brain that was still active, thinking like that that was kind of part of it. It was in my own voice to break me into this concept slowly so I wouldn't be scared. Right. That was kind of beautiful. Like part of me, they knew, they it, I knew, my highest power, whatever this, my spirit guide knew that that would be an intense situation for me. So it was adjusted. And having that faith in that things don't have to be scary. I think when you go to meditation with fear, you can bring a lot of fear. You can attract a lot of fear. And I think if you go into it feeling confident that you are positive, the world can be a positive place. You can have a positive experience. Just don't bring the fear with you. Just leave the fear. Leave the fear. Leave the it. mantra. Just, just, leave it. You know, you feel it, put it aside. There it is. Acknowledge it. You know, move on. Don't let yeah. it 
rest on your head and make a nest. What you just said reminds me of the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, I used to love that movie, man. That Great movie. movie. That's my mom's favorite movie. She, When right. we can't figure out what to watch, she's always like, we're watching Contact. I'm going to rewatch that. Great idea. I like Jodie Foster a lot. She's amazing. Oh, she's great. Well, what reminded me of that is that you said what came to you was what you could handle in that moment. And spoiler alert, people. How many years later? How old is that movie? It's like really, really old. Um, But when she talks with the aliens, the aliens look like someone she knows. Yes. Because they knew that that wouldn't freak her out. That theme is reoccurring in a lot of spiritual texts and a lot of gurus and saints have said when I see God I see my God when you see God you see your God yep it's the same God but it's just whatever makes you comfortable right I love that I do too that is so comforting and reassuring so caring so loving that that being said our 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 guide for our meditation started prompting us with questions and I said what's your name and uh letters appeared and it was J-I-M B-A-Y? Jimbe. Jimbe. Yeah. Jimbe. And I kind of, in my head, was like trying to read it and trying to make it into a name. And then this E came in here and like just showed up and pushed the little Y. And it was like, this is, now say it like this. So it was this uh, real showing of my alphabet, how to say this name. I mean, that was delightful. I just felt like giggling. If I wasn't sitting in the room with like 20 people, I probably would be like cackling. (laughs) I feel like uh, I love Jim Bay. Jim, girl, <laughs> you want to talk about feeling like you love somebody, like prepare yourself because this whole experience was pure love. The questions I asked when you were in that headspace and you have direct communication, you have a million questions, but it's like getting to surprise interview uh, like a celebrity that you didn't know you bump into in an elevator. You're like, um, so what's your favorite trip? Oh, gosh, at one point, I think I asked him if he had any pets and he was just like... <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, Jim Bay, this is like the most profound experience of my life. What? Exactly. Do you have pets? <laughs> I love that. Uh, you start getting strapped for some questions because you're just a little in awe and you're just like, whew. He um, started off in, in my voice a little bit and then he switched into his voice and his voice sounded very, I wish I knew exactly where, but very African asked him where he was from. And he said, Zimbabwe. And I said, how do I know you? And he started showing me um, what was like a projector, like light projected images on a wall. And it was, it was a village. It was like an African village. I knew nothing about Zimbabwe. No clue of anything about it. But, you know, these were like straw huts and with the point at the top and then showing me these cattle that were in this herd and this like what I think of now as very African looking cattle where they're very skinny. It's not like plump little American Holstein cows (laughs) Um, and lots of dirt and not much grass. And then this tree, this big, beautiful tree, the tree was what I now know is, I think, a banyan tree. But it felt, everything he was showing me felt so familiar. And he was showing me our life together. You okay? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, these experiences uh, can absolutely bring you to tears in, in recall, in the moment and in recall because of how much love and just familiarity that you feel. Yeah, definitely. It's overwhelming just to, to think that you could have that kind of relationship with somebody that they would be able to travel through space, time, lifetimes 
Yeah, to be able to connect with you, just to tell you, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm helping you. Yeah, yeah it's wild. It's, it's, it's wild. It's beautiful, and it's very vulnerable. I'm I'm so grateful that you're sharing this because I yeah. know that this is common for you know when they come through when spirit guides come through or dead relatives or ancestors they often just are there to give you that message that you're not alone and that's so so heartwarming yeah what's more powerful than that it's exactly what I needed he just he I asked him I was like what I wanted to know everything you know you're just kind of hungry and uh you know I asked him how old are you and he's like oh not really an age you know (laughs) The pets, the pets was funny. I'm just like looking around, like there's no pets here. I'm in the middle of Africa. There's like cattle in a hut. And then he showed me this, this picture of myself. I was a woman and I was wearing, I was like wrapped in cloth and I had my hair wrapped up and in front of me on a blanket spread out on the dirt were all these things that I had made. He was encouraging me to just make things. It doesn't matter what you make, just make, make stuff. The message was, you've been a maker for a long time. Right. You're you're going to continue making. You're yeah. A, you're a crafty hands hands-on person. Yeah. Don't don't worry too much about what it is. Just make stuff. Our conversation honestly went on for a really long time. I I hugged him. I thanked him. I remember what he was wearing. I remember what he looked like. I remember his hair. I remember touching the back of his head, the back of his neck, and hugging him and thanking him and asking him you know, do I get to do this again? Do I get to talk to you? And he's like, of course, I'm always here. You can do this anytime. And there was there was so much more to that conversation, but it just, it went on a long time. And it was incredibly uh, reassuring in just all aspects of my life. There's nothing better than the opportunity to connect with somebody who you love and loves you and to have them just deeply reassure you. You're doing everything right. You're You're fine. Like, I'm here. I'm always here. You can talk to me anytime. That's so comforting. Um, And so interesting that you had the actual experience of hugging him because in my experiences where I've connected with a spirit guide or an ancestor, it always feels a little bit more ethereal than your experience. I mean, I definitely have conversations with them, but it feels like yours had a moment where, or maybe many moments, where it felt like you were almost physically interacting with him, which is really cool. The fact that you like, could feel your hand I think you said your hand around his neck and his his hair yeah yeah I asked to to see him I, I saw like kind of his robes he was wearing like just really simple brown cloth I get a lot of like guides and stuff that are wearing robes robes are very hot in my astral world <laughs> <laughs> I need a good robe I need everybody to needs a robe going yeah you're right the concept of like having a physical experience with somebody like that is pretty wild instead of it just being sort of like a floating orb of a person mm-hmm. that feeling that you got to interact with them I think that's really really special I haven't heard that a lot it's happened a few times with with different things and I wonder why I don't really know why you can't explain that experience and it yeah. still moves you to tears to speak it Absolutely. what do you think was the most incredible gift that Jim Bay gave to you in that meditation session I mean, finite knowledge that this isn't it. Here, here. Right. There is something beyond the the monotony of this life or even just the, the limit limiting feeling of this life. Just like, whoop, you could never convince me otherwise. It's just personal experience, you know. And no one can take that away from you. But you know, because you experienced it, that this yeah. world is much bigger and more expansive than you could ever imagine. Buddhist meditation, insight meditation celebrates the, the idea that don't 
listen to me. Don't listen to gurus outside of yourself. Go within and experience it for yourself. Yep. Experience that truth. Yeah, no, their whole practice is I'm going to deflect. This is not about me. You've got to do it. You've got to put the work in. You've got to do that. Be there. Make the space. And it's all, that's what it is. It's making the space. And you don't have to ask questions. It doesn't be about that. Sometimes you can just be present and listen, right? Yeah. I found that in those experiences, they have the spirits or ancestors or spirit guides, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. they almost always have such a great sense of humor. Oh my God, they, they are just all the time. I yeah, agree. and they think they often express to you that, like, oh my God, you're so serious. Yeah. Would you just chill the fuck <laughs> <Right>. out? <laughs> Would you please lean in? Uh, comedy is comforting, and making somebody laugh helps relax them and takes a power dynamic away. Do you have any pets? Do you have a domesticated animal in your vicinity? (laughs) I often end up asking like really simple things to like, you know, whatever is happening in that moment. Like, should I go to this meeting that I have today or should I? And it's like the answer is almost always like, who gives a fuck? Like, Like, that is so unimportant. (laughs) Why are you asking me this? (laughs) Yes. For people who do do deep meditation, you know, we don't look great by the end of it. Like, I was slouched over to the side with snot dripping out of my nose. <laughs> Bless the shaman lady. She said, oh, she's in there. We're not going to disturb her. <laughs> like, it's so important for people to know meditation is not just sitting on a rock and feeling perfect with your chakras aligned. It's, it's there literally for everybody. And it can be whatever you need. So in that case, Jimbe came forward and that's what you asked for. And that was a specific kind of meditation, right? She was specifically calling on spirit guides, right? Right. The whole point. We're all here to meet with our spirit guides. That sounds like a great day. Oh, so much fun. Great times. Well, Jimbe, if you're here with us, I imagine you're always here with Allison. Thanks for being so cool and giving us a great story. Nice little gratitude there. Yes. Jimbe, Jimbe. Seriously, thank you for sharing. Um, I've done these 10-day silent meditation courses. They're Vipassana, which is the insight meditation. And I've done about, I've done at least six of them. Every time is totally different. And it's about 100 hours of meditation. So it's 10 days, 10 hours of meditation every day. It's intense. It's (laughs) fucking wild. How could you not have an experience, you know? <laughs> Seriously, it is Guaranteed. gnarly as fuck. And on top of that, not only are you silent for the whole 10 days, but you're also not permitted to use your cell phone. Have it. You don't have anything except your clothing and your basic toiletries. You can't read, you can't write, you can't talk, you can't look at people in the eye, and you eat very, very basic vegetarian meals twice a day. So you're really stripping away. You can't write? Ben not being able to write. I cheated many times. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) At one of these Vipassana courses, um, it was like day seven. I would say in my experience, day six, seven, eight is when really weird shit starts to happen. You've gone through 60, 70 hours of meditation. Your mind has gone through the ringer. The first three days like fuck you up. You're just like, I hate this. Why did I choose this? Get me out of here. Fourth day, um, you you move into a little bit deeper. And then, you know, fifth and sixth, the battle with yourself chills out a little bit. And then you go into like the proper woo experience I in my experience. (laughs) And a lot of people that I've taken these courses with say the same thing. So 
you basically you meditate for like an hour you take a break you meditate for an hour take a break you meditate for two hours you take a lunch you know that kind of thing that's how your day goes so during the longer break breaks for lunch you can go for a walk out in the, on the property and this was in massachusetts so it was really beautiful it was like i think fall early winter Ooh. Nice time of year. That's your favorite time of year, right? Love it. So I went outside. I had gone through a deep meditation. It was, I think, early evening. So I'd already gotten like six or seven hours of meditation in at that point. And I walked outside, just right in, there was a little path that went right out to the woods. And I looked at the the trees and the you know, the scenery, the the rocks, every the little stream there was. And I just like collapsed and started sobbing. And I know that sounds weird because it's like, why? Why would you do that? But I I know you get this, but maybe some of the listener, listeners are like, what the fuck? So I don't know how any other way to put it other than I saw the trees and the stream and the rocks for the first time. That was the first time I actually saw them. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, it's it's so it's so hard to explain. Everything that we go through in our lives, it goes through the filter of the mind. And so when we look at things that like that, we don't really see them. I don't even know how to say it, but we're not really acknowledging it. We're not really feeling it. We're not really understanding how incredibly beautiful this planet is. It's amazing. And I'll always keep this experience with me. But since then, there have been times where I've been in nature and I've really wanted to see again like that. And I often, especially if I've been like working really hard at my job or not connected to myself, I can't conjure it again. Like I can't just like will it to happen because it doesn't come from the mind. It comes from some other place beyond thinking. I I feel like it doesn't sound as profound as it was, but it really was one of the most mind blowing experiences for me that I will never forget. To have the things before your eyes completely stripped down from all context, association, previous knowledge to just witness to seeing for what it actually is versus what all the information has been leading to, um, yeah. to just witness it in itself. Yeah, I think I get that. It's like we've been trained. You know, you look at that tree. Oh, that tree's pretty. You even say it in your mind. That tree's pretty. I wonder how long that tree's been there. And then the mind goes and goes and goes. And before you know it, you're you don't even you could be standing in front of the tree. You still you're not seeing it because your mind is on the the hamster wheel. Yeah. It's just like lizard brain. There's just chunk where there was no thought. There was just no thought. It was just me and the trees and the stream and the and the birds and it was like a cacophony of beauty and it was just taking over where all the thought used to be. Yeah, there you go. That's a great explanation. But really, I mean, I'm you're connected to nature a lot in your work, too. Have you had that kind of, you know, that just a, sometimes it's just a split. I can say that I have had moments of feel like I'm seeing it for what it is and not what I'm making it. And I've been to um, the the oh, what is it called? The Bodhi tree in India. Mm-hmm. Or is it Nepal? I forget which one it is. The one where it said that Buddha became enlightened under. I mean, it's still there. It's incredible. Dope. And w- even while I was there, yeah, such an amazing experience. I was so privileged to have. 
Even while I was there, though, I didn't have that same experience because my mind was processing information. It was constantly in that like, you know, it's just I think of it as this rapid fire bullshit. And it's it's sad that I didn't really get to like feel, I don't know, would you say like the aura of that tree or whatever, but I, I didn't. I I saw it, but I didn't really see. Well, gosh, you're also, you know, you're in the country and languages around you buzzing in a strange place and it's not your backyard. You know, it's. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to let your guard down. Your brain has to, you know, kind of keep you safe. I have a really overactive mind. So I think that was an interesting moment. It's interesting that the most profound moment for me was when there was like nothing. It was just the sound of nature. And I think that's what that's what I needed as somebody who's constantly trying to like categorize and find patterns and make sense of things. I know we're all doing that all the time at some level, but I definitely think I'm, I'm more overactive than many. And I wish I wasn't, you know, I really, and that, I guess that's why I continue to have a spiritual practice to quell that like intense noise in my brain. Yeah. Part of that is just acknowledging it, right. Is just knowing that's what that is. Yeah. And that's maybe one of the most profound spiritual experiences that I think anybody can have is that separation of this is me and that's that and that is not me. You're right. That's a huge rite of passage, I think, is is understanding that. Because I, I've talked to many friends who have said, I don't know what you mean. Of course, if I'm thinking that thought, that's who I am. It's right. my thought. It's in my mind. So that's who I am. That's when you have to have the experience yourself because you have you do the meditation you have those thoughts and then you're like, oh, wait, I'm still here even when the <laughs> thoughts are gone. Yeah, thoughts are gone. I'm still here. So I must be something other than those thoughts. Yes, that is the classic shamanic dream across cultures, being shown yourself pulled to pieces and looking at yourself and saying, that's not me. Look, I'm witnessing it. You know, yeah, I think the, the Simpsons me- even did that. Didn't Homer get like pulled in a bunch of pieces? And I don't like, know. <laughs> they did everything. They, they really did. did. They, they, they covered it all the reason that I meditate is to get back to that space, really. Yeah. I, it's almost like I was shown that to have as a baseline. Yeah. Kind of- right. You're given a, you're, <laughs> you're given a baseline. You are, you know, this is a place from which to operate. And the people who I feel like are most frustrated with meditation or have tried it, but then you know, it just wasn't for me, are people who don't seem to be able to get past the point of disassociating themselves from their thoughts. And they want to do it, but then the ego pops up, the thoughts pop up, and they believe what it's telling them. It's a process. And we don't, we don't live in a world that makes it terribly easy to access that part of ourselves. So we're, we live in a very noisy, very, very physical, very competitive world. And so that's not very helpful. Hey, Fen, I wondered if um, having a microphone would affect our ability to just talk to each other, and I don't think it does. <laughs> I wondered if I would be tempted to put on my podcaster voice, or, you know, like <laughs> having a microphone would just make me want to perform. I don't, but it doesn't. It's, oh, it's it didn't cool. at all. You did a great job. I feel like we had a perfectly normal conversation. All right. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for chatting with me. Last words from Allison. No, I have nothing. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going to be this profound thing. And we're done. Mic drop. (laughs) We just wrap that up. That's good. It's over. Okay.
Well, that's it for this week, folks. If you have any specific questions about meditation or you want to just share your meditation experiences, please never hesitate to reach out to me at followthewoo at gmail.com. I will always listen and offer guidance um, when and where I can, if that's what you're looking for. Or we can just share stories because truly this is my favorite stuff to talk about. If you're interested in taking a Vipassana course in the future, like the one that I talked about in this episode, check out dhamma.org, D-H-A-M-M-A dot org. Per Jim Bay's advice, Allison is in the process of making. Check out her handcrafted intention pendants on Etsy. These hollow glass locket pendants allow you to wear your favorite gemstones, herbs, or other tiny mystical paraphernalia of choice. The best part is you can switch out your witchy pendant contents whenever you want because they're made with a magnetic closure. Check out the link in the show notes for this episode. Thank you for following the Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the Order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a Woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right,